Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. The main reason we're here tonight is we're here to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. We've ushered in the presence of the Lord. Now we need to hear God speak to us. God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his spirit. And he speaks to us through people. And tonight, we are blessed to have one of Wisconsin's great heroes. One of our great home missionaries from the hood. In Milwaukee, Brother Nubel. God bless you, Brother Nubel. Take your liberty. Amen. Come on, let's turn it over to Jesus Christ. Is he not worthy? Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We adore you, oh God. There's no one like you, oh Father. We just pray that you have your way with us tonight, oh Father. Help me to teach it or blab it or grab it or whatever you would help me to do, oh Father God. But I got to do it with your anointing. If you don't anoint it, we might as well go home, oh Father. So I thank you, oh Father. In your precious name we ask it. Amen and amen. Praise God, you may be seated. I am telling you, I am, I'm always nervous when I speak outside of my home church. I always tell the church I'm so ghetto, and when I go other places, I have to be prim and proper. And I'm not sure if I know how to do that yet, so <laughs> praise the Lord. I pray that Pastor Cotty know what he was doing when he invited me to come. <laughs> Amen. But I do greet you in the wonderful name of the Lord, and I really... I want to just give honor to uh, Pastor and Sister Kylie. They are so great, great examples of Christians and of loving and giving and kindness and all that stuff. And they have been so kind to me and my family and to our ministry. I am so blessed to know them. I am absolutely blessed. I don't say that just to say it. I really mean that, Brother and Sister Kylie. I really mean that you have blessed my life. Pastor Kylie would call me, just seemed like right when I need someone to talk to it just never fails monthly almost monthly he never fails to give me a call and to just encourage me and so i i'm thankful i have such great friends in this this walk with god amen you've been fellowshipping and all of that so normally we will stand for the reading of the word but you don't have to grab your bibles real quick let's go to isaiah 53 I want to talk to you about something today. I want to be traditional. I am not a traditional person by no means, okay? But I do know Wednesdays are Bible study. And I want to give you a Bible study that God gave me for our church a few months ago. And it was talking about adversity. I don't know if you were like me, but back in 85, when I first got saved, I was a young man, my first year of college, 19 years old. And I go to this crazy Pentecostal church. And, and they started speaking in tongues and dancing and shouting. And I was used to doing that on the dance floor, but not at church. You don't do that at church. And they pulled me from the inner city and took me all the way to the suburb. I had never been in the suburb in 19 years. And so it was like going to Chicago for me. And so when I felt the presence of God, of course, I responded. And 29 years later, I'm still serving God. But I'll tell you. I thought that serving God, that there would almost be no problems. 
You know, I, my bishop, Bishop Tamil used to always say, you're going to still get flat tires and mosquito bites. I kind of thought he was joking because while I'm baptized in Jesus' name, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Surely there won't be any more problems now. We got the greatest revelation, the oneness of God. Little did I know, <laughs> there is this thing called L-I-F-E, life. Saved or unsaved, it still happens. Like it or not, it's going to happen, amen? And so if you, let me turn with, turn with me your attention to Isaiah 53 and verse 3. If you got to say amen, but we're also going to be going to Psalms 94, verses 12 and 13. But Isaiah 53 and 3 says this. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our face from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. If you will, real quick, Psalms 94, verses 12 and 13. Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law, that thou may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be, until the pit be digged for the wicked. Lord, in your mighty name, help me to teach your word with clarity and with understanding, O Father God. They don't need to hear from my raspy voice. We need to hear from heaven. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing to be upon me. Lord, these are precious people that you have brought here tonight, oh Father God. And I only ask, oh God, as humbly as I can, that what you have given me would be a blessing, oh Father. Let's not waste our time. When we come here, we've got to hear from you, oh God. Lord, so I'm asking right now that you bless us. Give us the ears to hear what your spirit is saying, oh Father God. Give us the mind to comprehend it and the heart to receive it, oh Father God. Because even if the word go forth and if we don't receive it, it means nothing, oh God. So give us what we need on tonight and help us to not only be just a hearer of the word, but a doer also. In your wonderful name, we ask it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. And if you would give me the option, please let me be myself. I'm comfortable if I could be myself. Amen? I might, um, I might jump into a little ghetto language, but you just kind of flow with me. Just act like you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Because <laughs> sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. I just make it up as I go. Praise God. But we read in Psalms 94 that how God... How God is letting us know that he's going to chasten in us. But not only that, that he's going to give us rest in the days of adversity. And I'm going to tell you something. I understand when we read in, in um, Isaiah 53, the things that Jesus was going through. And I know some of you or most of you can actually say that as well. We are sometimes acquainted, affiliated with grief, with adversities and with trials. And I know sometimes, because I know we have the teenagers here as well, you may not have experiences, some have. But my sisters and my brother keep living. It's just around the corner. But sometimes how we handle adversity would make the difference. Whether you're going to serve a, 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 a happy Christian life or one that's filled with misery. According to Western Dictionaries, diversity is defined as misfortune, trouble, and calamity. Let me caution you that everybody is going to go through it. As I already stated, I never thought in a million years that I would have to go through some of the stuff that life would offer me. And young people, you need to know 
that even though you're living for God, situations and trial and circumstances are going to happen. But there's a God who already paid the price. There is a God who already died for what you're going to go through. And he already been acquainted with all the grief and all the sorrows. In fact, nothing catches him by surprise. I know oftentimes we think that our problem is unique. And Jesus don't understand. But there's no problem that will come to you that he hasn't already experienced and that he already know about. As a pastor and living for these past 48 years, I'm going to tell you, I've learned there's about four or five different things that everybody's going to go through. Number one, everyone sooner or later will deal with this thing, adversity. Two, most successful people are those who handle adversity well. Miserable people are those who cannot handle adversity. Amen. Uh, uh, before I read four, let me caution you. My church sometimes always say, Pastor, you're a little too rough. I'm going to try to soften the blow. Or if I take my glasses off, I can't see you anyway, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but number four, although there are various degrees of adversity and various degrees of people in different stages of their lives, but every one of us, every one of us will experience these things and you have got to figure out how to handle it. I notice also that usually people that are unhappy, that cannot handle adversity, are, turn out to be very antisocial, pessimistic, negative, insecure, lonely, sometimes even paranoid. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they usually are depressed, withdrawn, so on and so forth. I can give you a lot of statistics. I'm into statistics. I taught high school math and science for 20 years, so I'm really into statistics. Uh, my kids used to call me a geek because when they were going through algebra, the algebraic concepts and advanced math and trig and pre-calculus, I would just be so giddy. Oh, my God, come on, let's do this concept, man. My son used to be like, really, Dad, really? Just calm down. It's just math. But I, I like that stuff. I'm into statistics and all of that other stuff. But I noticed something, and if I can put it in these categories, when it comes to adversity, when it comes to trials, there's four directions that I think that we get. First of all, God would speak to us about an, a, a vision. Then it seemed like there's a death of that vision. But then in order to make that vision come to pass, you've got to exercise faith. And sometimes when there seems to be no faith at all. And then if you do that, God will bring forth a miracle. Let's give an example. Abraham, his vision was that he would become a father of many nations. This is the problem. When God told him he was already about 75 years old. And he didn't have any kids. And then God had the audacity to tell him at 99 years old. I mean, I got to keep it clean here, but the man was 99 years old. And God tell him, you're going to have a baby on this time next year. See, had it been me, I would have been right along with Sarah laughing. <laughs> Obviously, God got something going on up here. I'm 99 years old, God. And you're telling me that this time next year, my wife, who has been barren, she's 89 and she's going to have a baby. Right. So that was the vision. You're going to be a father. 
And you notice something that God did not bring the vision to pass till 25 years later. Hmm. And you think that God is in a rush. Trust me, he is not in a rush. I've learned that the hard way. Most of us wanted God to do it yesterday so we can be on our way today. It doesn't work like that with God. You know, my, my assistant and I are working on a book. We were both raised very affectionately from our moms. Our dads wasn't in our lives, so we were much older. We're writing a book that should come out next year called Mama-isms. How the things that mama used to, things mama used to say. And one of the things my mother used to say, boy, I brought you in this world. See, y'all must have been raised in my house too, because y'all know what she's going to say. I brought you in this world. I will take you out. And I remember when I had a behavioral problem at school, I was kind of hyped, if you can't tell. <laughs> they told my mother I was ADD. And my mother said, I got a pill for that. This one is hard to swallow. She said, boy, she said, I don't care if you're ADD, XYZ, or LMNOP, you better behave yourself in school. And every time I wanted to get kind of hyped, I would think of that big pill and how hard it would be to swallow. <laughs> so I learned to discipline and behave myself. But one of the things that mom would always say, she said, let me tell you something. God will never come when you want him, but he's never late. He's always on time. But she would go on to say, let me help you, son. She said, but when he does show up, he's going to show himself out. If God's going to show up in your life, you can hang it up. God's going to show you that he's God. He's going to make a way out of no way. And I don't care what anybody say. God will show up and he will show himself out. You know why? Because he's God and we're not. I've decided I'm going to let him be God. It's easier to just let God do his job and be God. So you see, Sarah's womb was barren. But if you would take time and read in Romans chapter 4, it is a powerful thing that was going on. It talks about, it's not in my notes, but check it out. Write it down. Romans 4 verses 17 on down. It talks about how Abraham did not count the, the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he was fully persuaded. The Bible says that he didn't stagger at the promises of God. But if God said it, he trusts the fact that God was going to get it done. And sometimes when God has given us a vision and God has told us these things are going to happen, and when you don't see that they're happening, we sometimes get discouraged. We get frustrated. Let me tell you something. God is not on our timetable. If God said it, it's coming to pass. And we got to be like Moses, I mean not Moses, Abraham, where he didn't stagger at the promises of God, but was fully persuaded that if God said it, it's going to come to pass. I'm coming here to tell you this night that some of you have got to be fully persuaded that whatever God said, that it's going to come to pass, regardless of what you say, regardless of what anybody say, if God has said it, my God, it's going to come to pass. I don't care what anybody say. It's going to come to pass because he's God. But you've got to be fully persuaded. We had about five Puerto Rican dudes that walked in. I can say dudes, can I? Is that okay? I'm not used to saying guys or fellas. They were dudes. They were straight up Boricua, Puerto Rican. And they walked in and I mean they were all tatted up, tattooed. And they had tattoos here and there. They were bald like me. 
tattoos with tears coming down, which means how many people they're shot or whatever. They didn't know that my wife was Puerto Rican. So I understand a little words. So in my message, I began to use a little Spanish. And I began to use words specifically that Puerto Ricans use. And I was able to grab them into the service. At the end of that service, God filled all five. I mean, they came straight from shooting a house up the night before and they were being chased by rival gang members. But somehow God in his majesty and his greatness and his mercy led them to a one God apostolic tongue talking church where these young men and God filled every one of them with the Holy Ghost. And he baptized, we baptized them all. But this is one of the things that the guy said. He said, I didn't think that God was going to show up in my life. I went to my brother's house last night and he said, I got back into Heron. He said he shot up and it was a bad batch or whatever they call it. And his heart began to go real fast. And then all of a sudden he just fainted. They called the paramedics. They got him together. They took him to Freighton Hospital where his heart stopped once again. But when they got him to be stabilized, he said, please let me go. I've got to get back to that Pentecostal church where I felt something like I never felt. And let me tell you, since he's come in February, God has filled him and his father and his wife and his mother and his two kids. God has filled his aunt and his uncle because when God show up, my God, when he show up, I'm telling you something is going to happen if God will show up. See, because I didn't care if they were gang members. It didn't bother me. No, i never been high, never did draw some one of those inner city hood rats that was actually kind of nerdy. Never did drugs, never wanted to. But I didn't care if they were gang bangers. I didn't care what lifestyle they come from. It didn't matter to me what was going on in their life. All that mattered to me, there was a group of men that needed a touch from God. And I knew the God that I serve never shows up late. And I knew God would show up and show himself out. Let me tell you something. It's kind of funny, Pastor Cotty, because every Sunday he comes to me whenever he's there. Can't get him to be consistent, but he always, I guess he feels he's my personal bodyguard. Everywhere I go, he's right behind me. Pastor, you want me? I said, no, we don't beat people up in this church. We pray for him. I think if I let him go, he'll probably, you know, beat the Holy Ghost into everybody or threaten them. But I say, Josue, that's not how we do it here, bro. We just, come, just calm down. Let's let Jesus work it out. He said, Pastor, I saw that man yell at you. I said, no, no, that's okay. I've been yelled at before, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be yelled at again. He said, shall I get him? As he was balling up his fist. I'm like, no. We're going to let Jesus work this one out, okay, brother? But I promise you, if I need your help, I will call. <laughs> Good Lord, thanks be to God I haven't needed his help yet. <laughs> we might get sued to him. But let me tell you, let's look at another guy. What about this young man, Joseph? Hey, God has given him all these dreams and all these visions. And no one believed in him, not even his own daddy. 
trust me, I know what it's like to not have a father to believe in you. All my life I heard that you're good for nothing, blankety blank. You're not going to amount to anything. That's what daddy said. But on the other side, I had a praying mama who said, no, you're not that. You will amount to something. She would always tell me, you're God's special child. Never knew what that meant. Never understood it. But I do now understand what mama was praying. But this man, Joseph, understood. When God gave him dreams and visions, look what happened. It seemed like that vision died just like it seemed like Abraham's vision died because for 25 years, nothing happened. Now Joseph get these dreams from God and he's going to have his brothers and his sister, his family, you might as well say, bowing down to him. And they already hated him because their father trusted him and put more faith in him instead of the older brothers. So when they had an opportunity, they took him and they was about to kill him, but they end up, and you know the story, they put him in a pit. Then he was sold to slavery. Seemed like that vision of him being a ruler was cast to the sea. But God, you said I was going to do this. But God didn't tell him how. And that's where we get in trouble, saints. Trying to figure God out. Trying to figure out how God is going to do it. He don't have to tell us how he's going to do it. We just need to trust the fact that he will do it. This young man's vision, about 17 year old, some people estimated, was thrown into the pit, sold into slavery, and because he tried to be upright and wholesome, and he ended up going into a prison. But where's the vision? It seemed like the vision apparently died. But nonetheless, if you read the same Bible I read, I don't recall anywhere that Joseph ever complained about the, con the current condition that his life was in. I'm trying to learn that because I'm real quick. I mean, I have the gift of gab. I know how to complain. And if you all don't know how to see me after service, I will teach you how to complain properly. I know how to complain. I know how to say to God, but I don't understand why. I'm trying to be wholesome. I'm trying to be right. I'm trying to be morally pure. Why is these things going on? I think God was like, knucklehead, shut it down. At least that's my interpretation. He might say something different to you, but he will call me a knucklehead. Because see, I understand that lingo. So it looks like the vision had died. But Joseph just like Abraham had to exercise faith and believe beyond anything that if God said it, it's going to come to pass. And never, he never gave up. But notice what happened one day. God gave him a dream. The man was, a, I mean, he gave the Pharaoh a dream. He interpreted the dream. I love this because he trusted God. Joseph went from the pit to the prison, to the palace. And if you hold on long enough, and if you trust God, no matter what 
type of adversity that you are going through right now, God will move you from the pit to a prison and then eventually he will move you to the palace. But I don't care what anybody say. It seems like the vision that God has given you is dying or have died. But if you exercise faith like both Joseph and Abraham, it will come to pass. Why do you think God left it in there? It's not just so we can teach a good Sunday school lesson. Those things were left in the word of God for a reason. It was for a reason they were left in there. And I remember as a kid, as the doctors told me, they told my mother, I love telling this story because my mom was a comedian. I think that's where I get it from. They told my mom after taking those standardized tests, I can't stand those. The Iowa basic skills and those other standardized tests. <laughs> Somehow, Pastor Cotty, they said that I was retarded. I don't know if I just wrote designs on the tests or what. But they told my mom, according to these test results, your boy is, woohoo. My mom said, yeah, he look retarded. He act retarded. Or oh, I'm not even knowing what the politically correct name is. I don't think it's whatever it is. I'm not really into politics, okay? So um, she said he looks retarded and he act retarded. She said, but my baby is not retarded. They said, well, he can't read, he can't write, and I flung third grade because I could not read well and I could not write. And, and I didn't, I definitely couldn't do math, math skills and none of that other stuff. And they basically told my mom, just get him through. And the vision that my mom had of me doing something good for God seemed to have fallen. But she began to pray. She didn't know anything about speaking with tongues. Only thing I do know, my mother was a mother of holiness. And my mother did not smoke or drink. She did keep us away from drugs and alcohol. And I'm going to tell you, you would have thought she was apostolic, but she was not. She did not understand this. But one thing I noticed that mom did, she would pray for her children and especially me every day. She said, God, you gave me a promise. I can hear her praying now. Forty-some years later, I can still hear mama praying, God, you promised me that you will use my son I know he's not retarded like the doctor says but listen the doctors did not know because God answers prayer from that time all the way to high school till I got rebellious I was the number one student I had a four point average from third grade all the way to 10th grade the doctor said it couldn't be done but God said oh yes it can I believe mama was reading the stories of Joseph. I believe she was reading those stories of Abraham. And as she was going through financial trials, and if my mother eventually, she died, she had every known disease to man. High blood pressure, low blood pressure. My mother had cancer. She had this and that. I remember she would go into a diabetic coma and literally lay out on the floor for a whole day. And we just walk over and make our own meals. It was rough. It was very rough. And I can remember when my mother came home from around Christmas time after having both her breasts removed because of cancer. And I remember her being weak and I remember my father coming home and they literally get into domestic fights and violence. And I remember her fighting and putting her hand through a glass window and pulling it out and blood is everywhere. He ripped her stitches. I was raised with a very rough life. It was rough. And all the adversity, and I used to say, that can't be a God. Why is he allowing us to go to this? Dad, why are you doing this? I never got an answer. But I can stand and tell you today, 
when I was led to a Pentecostal church at 19 years old, I was done with all the stuff of this world. I was done with the clubbing and the partying and chasing the women and all that other stuff. I just wanted something different. And God was giving me another opportunity at life. He was giving me a second chance. I know the Bible doesn't say it, but I believe he really is the God of the second chance. He is a second chance God because he didn't have to save me. He didn't have to deliver me. He didn't have to bring me out. He didn't have to touch my body. But I'm telling you, you know why I'm crazy now? Because I was crazy in the world and I refuse to do for the devil more than what I do for God. If you want to know why I got a big mouth for Jesus, because I had a big mouth for the devil you want to know why I'm crazy for Jesus because I was crazy for the devil somebody said you don't need to worship the way you worship I said you should have seen me on the dance floor I was loud hey buddy buddy mm, ah, mm, ah. oh yeah I was loud and so I'm gonna come to God's house and sit on my rumpus still skin and do nothing not me. I decide as well, long as he would give me my breath and my strength, I'm going to pick him up and put him down and give him some praise and magnify and glorify, exalt and lift him up. If I can do it for the devil, surely I can do it for Jesus Christ. The devil never healed me, but Jesus did. The devil never took stuff out of my mind, but Jesus did. The devil never did any of that, but I came into a place where there was a God whose name is Jesus and he delivered me and he brought me out and he set me free he took away hate he took away pain he took away frustration who wouldn't want to serve a God like that praise God come on give me a couple of minutes you may be seated who wouldn't want to serve a God like that but you better believe that God is not a man that he should not that he should lie well the doctors was wrong I went to college and graduated at the top of my class. I've always been good in the books. I just needed mama's big pill to discipline me. But I'm gonna tell you something. Not only did I go on to get a master's degree in education, but I have a PhD in theology. And now I'm going for another PhD in Greek and Hebrew. I just love learning. But if I had listened or if mama had listened to the doctors, I would not be up here teaching because I don't really consider myself a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I love teaching. I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't be up here teaching if my mother would have just let the trials and the temptations and the adversities of life change her mind and she didn't pray. But I'm going to tell you, I believe that God has put his hand on me for a reason. Sometimes God needs the quiet person, but sometimes he needs the big mouth. When I got saved, there was a, a, a rap song in the world back in 85, and it was called, You Got a Big Mouth, A Big Mouth. That was my anthem. I had a big mouth. But God is able to take that big mouth and use it. Just Monday night, I teach at a local Bible college. It's all Trinitarian. I am the only apostolic. And I'm one of the professors there. And they, Pastor Kali, was teaching on Acts chapter 10. And they turned the whole thing around. I thought, hmm, I can't say nothing. I'm not teaching now. So I was sitting in the back of the class like, hmm, Lord, just give me one opportunity. The professor was teaching. and He said, Pastor Marshall, I see you steaming back there. Apparently, you don't agree. I said, well, since you asked. 
no, I don't agree. <laughs> and so I took him from the beginning to the end and we preached Jesus. Now, let me tell you what happened. There was 12 people in that room. God filled six of them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about Baptist ministers. God filled six Baptist ministers with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't care what anybody say. Oh, yes, ma'am. Oh, yes, sir. We serve an awesome God. I don't care what anybody say. Woo! We serve. We serve an awesome God. And I said, God, this is so worth it. And all this semester, all I got people was challenging me. There's not one God. There's a trinity. And you know, that's my specialty. I love talking about the oneness of God. I think I get that from Bishop Tamil. Bishop Tamil could be preaching about anything, clipping fingernails, and at the end of every message, you're going to get a one God message, and you're going to get being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost at the end of every message. So I guess I got saved. I was there for 21 years listening to his preaching. And at the end of every message that I teach in his Bible college, I always say, you do know speaking in tongues is of God. And somehow the mercy of God fell Monday night and six of those guys filled with the Holy Ghost. I have four of them coming to our church now this coming Sunday to get baptized. I'm sorry, in two Sundays to get baptized in the wonderful name. To get baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I didn't allow the adversities of life to stop me. You can't allow the adversities of life to stop you. I'm the one doing the teaching tonight, so you're hearing my stories. I know all of you have stories you can tell too. I can remember the times where things were not right financially. And in the midst of it, we lost our cars. We lost our home. I had my wife who was sick with a tracheotomy, a breathing machine, oxygen. We had no place to go. We lost our home. We lost our car. I had three kids kids and three foster kids and we were pretty much homeless no place to go and I'm saying God I pay my tithes I give my offering I'm doing this why am I going through this I didn't hear anything and then all of a sudden I got sick the same year I got sick then my wife died then my son backslide then my daughter was raped and it kept going on and on and on and on and God but I'm living for you why is this happening I heard nothing but one thing I knew that if I trust him, he's going to bring me through every trial. He's going to bring me through every tribulation. Everything. Your great pastor walked through most of that with me. He gave me wise counsel on how to handle the situation with my daughter. He gave me wise counsel. and He taught me not to whine and to complain, but to trust God. And Pastor Carly, I will forever love you for helping me to get through those things because I did not understand it. But God helped me. And I decided that I'm going to trust him. In Romans 4, I, I, I just stayed there. I said, if, if Abraham can trust you, without staggering at your promises, help me to do the same thing. I don't want to whine and complain. I don't want to be a big 
baby in the gospel, but I want to be a powerful man of God to lead and direct other people to this place where they can themselves get a hold to a God that's able to do anything and all things and with him nothing is impossible. If I can lead by example, God, help me to do that. And I'm telling you right now that God this year alone now have filled about 25 people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We baptized over 17 this year alone and God is doing a great work. The church that we are fixing, that we are at right now only holds 200 people and God is filling up that church. We're getting ready to go to two services because every Sunday God has filled up that church with people that are strung out on drugs and alcohol and perversion. You don't go through trials for no reason at all. There's a reason why God have you going through. It is to teach you. And if God can trust you, then he'll use you. If he can trust you, he'll use you. This is just my story. You all have a story as well. And I'm sure probably much worse than mine. But if you do as I did, trust God no matter what. God will show up and show himself out. You probably heard me say it before, but we call ourselves, I call my church the X church. We are the X everything. The Bible says such were some of you. I know when we look around, we all look saved and sanctified and sanctimonious, but what did we look like before we got here? How do we look when we first hit those doors? Some of you look good. You look like you've been in church all your life, but that is not your story. We have, I have now, we have several ex-homosexuals that are now married with children, ex-lesbians that are now married with children. We have people that were strung out on crack cocaine and drugs and all this other kind of stuff. I got several people in my church with HIV, but we deal with it all. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been saved. I don't know all this stuff, but I had to learn. I had to get real relevant to this society that we are living in. And because of that, I don't care if you're a homosexual, if you're a lesbian, I don't care if you're black, white, or hot, pink, or orange. I don't care what it is you could be a pink pet poodle named poochie i don't care i'm gonna baptize you in jesus name and if you give me a chance i'm gonna lay hands on your head and pray you through the holy ghost this is not a museum for the saints this is a hospital for the sick this is a hospital for the sick and at our church, we got black people and white people. My church is almost averaging 200. Of that, 55% is black. The rest is other. We, had, we have natives, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, white people, black people, everybody except Asians. But lastly, the last two weeks, I had these two young men that came from the halfway house a block away. They saw us with our bright t-shirts on from Brother Smith, ministry, and they were raised Lutherans and they came walking into our church. Their name is Lonnie and Donnie. I was teasing them, I said, I thought your name is gonna be Ping and Pong. <laughs> Lonnie and Donnie. They haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, but I meet with them regularly. They are Hmong. They have a Chinese girl that showed up this past Sunday. 
God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Those two men haven't got it yet. But now we have Asians in our church. We're right down by Marquette University. And I'm just praying that this is the will of God. And I just interviewed four interviews at Marquette. If I get that job at Marquette University, Pastor Kylie, we get to open up a place where we can reach them young kids. I don't want that job. I just want to get in there so I can preach to these kids. They won't let me preach otherwise. Let me tell you something. God is good all the time and all the time God is good listen I'm just pretending that I'm in my notes I'm not in my notes I do this all the time at church I don't know if that's lying or what but ain't none of that I'm talking is in here <laughs> I just like flowing in the Holy Ghost when you tell people that they like ooh let me finish up. Two more minutes and I'm done. Saints of God, some of you are here. God, let me know. Because some of you are here thinking God can't use me. God doesn't know where I'm at. I got all this stuff going on in my life. I got issues here and issues there. Let me tell you some of the things that you shouldn't do when you're facing adversity. You must not give up. You, you, you can't give up. I, I heard a preacher talk this past Sunday, and I, I, I wish I had the name of the college team, but I guess there was a California, one of their colleges were playing against another college of a different state, and they were losing. And I guess what happened is that four seconds on the clock, they kicked the ball, and this California team received it, and the guy started, walk, started running. And right before he was tackled, I guess he... He, he passed the ball to another teammate and he began to run, but they tackled him. When it was all over, said and done, there was six lateral passes. The last guy who got the ball, because this other team thought, or the California team thought, that I guess they were the one that was winning. This California team thought, because there was only four seconds on the clock, that they had won. So all the band people came on the field and they were rejoicing, not knowing that the ball was still in play. And so this last guy who got the ball was running through the team members of the band and he went across the line and scored a touchdown and they won. They only had four seconds and they did not give up. Some of us give up way too easy. Way too easy. The minute one problem happened, you give up on God and you turn your back on God. I'm telling you, don't do that to him. He's been so much better than that. You didn't give up on him when he healed your body. You didn't give up on him when he put, when he put your marriage back together. You didn't give up on him when he brought your backslidden kids back to church. Then don't give up on him now because you're going through a trial. Don't give up. Number two, you must not act as though you can do nothing about it. You could do something about it. It's all you could do is get on your face and pray and believe God. Three, you must not complain. Complaining doesn't change anything. Just makes you more miserable. You must not blame others. If I get another counseling class with someone in my church who's nearly my age, have a young man in my church that's 40, and I'm 48. He's still blaming mom and dad for his life being jacked up. I said, are you kidding me? You're homeless because of what your mama did? 
and you're 40 years old. I told him, like my kids tell me, really, dad, really? I said, brother, really? Really, brother, really? You're blaming your mama, you're 40 years old? Because she won't cook it. I said, stand up and let me slap you myself. Maybe if I can slap some sense into you. He said, no, pastor, I'm serious. I said, and you don't think I am? <laughs> pastor Collie, I, find, I found a 10th spiritual gift. Well, I didn't find it. It was just, it's just Marshall. This is Pastor Marshall talking. It is called the gift of slap. <laughs> Sometimes we just need some common sense slapped into us. And maybe Pastor Collie wouldn't say that, but I talk like this at home. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Sometimes I walk away from counseling classes like, did he really say that? I, did, really? Fifth thing, you must not become cynical, especially about God. Don't become critical or cynical. Well, God, you said this was going to happen. Why isn't this happening? Last couple of things. What you should do when you're facing tribulation, you must refuse to compromise. Do not compromise your convictions. I don't care what anybody say. Do not compromise your convictions. I don't care what anybody say. They told me, Pastor Kali, first of all, you won't be able to pass the church in the hood because hood people don't want to serve God. I said hood people will serve God if they get a hood pastor. And I, I had one lady that came to me, my Lord, I have never, they call it blinging. She was blinging, jury. She was bling, blinging. Every finger had a rock on it. Just, I mean, she was like Mr. T, did all that go. And she said, Pastor, I want to be used in church. I said, oh, Jesus, how we do this? I said, Lord, help me. I said, well, sister, why don't you just hang around a little while longer? She said, I know what it is. You don't think I'm saved because I got jewelry on. I said, well, since you want to get an attitude, they should have told you I can get one bigger than yours. I said, so you go first, sister. You go. I'm going to show you how to really do it. Go ahead. You got the floor. And it was so amazing. She began to roll her neck and snap her fingers and go off. I said, this is wild. It's been a while since I had this much fun. It's fun to me, Pastor Kylie. <laughs> Maybe it shouldn't be that. I just think it's hilarious. So I began to tell her. I said, you know, you remember back in the Old Testament when they just took their jewelry and they made this calf. Remember they just threw it in the fire and shazam, it just showed up. I said, find in the scriptures anywhere after that where God talked about decking his people out. You're going to have to wait to get to heaven for that. I said, now, if I don't do anything else, I'm going to preach Bible. I'm not going to preach UPCI. I'm not going to preach XYZ or LMNOP, but I will preach Bible. When she showed up Sunday, she said, well, I'm going to give it a try. I said, you just do that, sister. Just give, you just do that. On my way here, she, shot, she sent me a text. She spent 
right when I was leaving my house, I'm sorry, she sent me a text. She has spent the last two hours talking to her family about the goodness of God. And she said, Pastor, I would have never been given that opportunity except they saw that I had taken off all this stuff. And she said, and I began to explain to them that I want the glory of God to shine through me. I don't want people to see my bling. I want people to see my anointing. I said, you see, this thing still worked at God. And you know what? In 2014, it still worked. It worked 29 years ago when I got saved. It still works right now you can't have a church of holiness I teach my church all the time I want you to be holy inside because then it'll manifest itself outside but we got to clean the inside first I don't want you to have a, a rotten heart and then look saved on the outside I want your heart to be right first so I preach this is a heart thing living for God is a heart thing Get your heart right with God and everything else will line up. We too much trying to get people to look holy and saved. And I'm sorry, I don't want to meet Melon, but I'm just saying. And you know it ain't in my notes anyway. But it's a heart issue. Number two, intensify your prayers and fasting. If you're going through a lot of stuff, remember number one, do not compromise your conviction. Number two, intensify your prayer and your fasting. Intensify it. And do you must do it. A week before Easter, uh, God have to put me on impromptu fast because uh, I always tell people, you don't get this big unless you like to eat. Most people think it's muscle, but it's actually ham hocks and cornbread, <laughs> red rice and beans. <laughs> but I said, no, it's not muscles. Trust you me. But I always, but God put me on what I call an impromptu fast. And I fast three days, and then the last four days before Easter, Monday through, I'm sorry, Thursday through Sunday, I did one meal a day. But in the midst of that, God began to reveal things to me. The young man that raped my daughter was back in town, and he was trying to make contact with her. And the Holy Ghost spoke it to me. And I called my daughter. I said, this young man is going to call you. I said, but do not respond. Within an hour, she texted me. She said, Dad, how did you know? See, I intensified my prayer and my fasting, and God spoke to me. I like, at my church, I tell people I'm goofy. I'm always cracking jokes, talking about food or whatever, but that's my, show, my way of knocking down your guard. But even though I'm a ghetto hood rat preacher, I still hear from God. I decided I'm just going to be who I is. <laughs> I know that ain't good English. I'm at the end of my message, but I could do some mess up English now because right now I don't care. I'm getting ready to get out of here. <laughs> and most of you know you ain't going to come to the north side of Milwaukee, so I'm safe. <laughs> Hello, somebody. I heard somebody say, Pastor, we would come and help you with your music department. I said, come on and help me. You got permission from your pastor. No. You are in the hood. I was like, ooh. I said, I somehow survived for 48 years. But you know, I intensified my prayer and fasting and God began to speak to me. We have a lady that came to our church. <laughs> Lord have mercy. God is so good. Now, it may not happen in Oconomowoc, but it happens on the north side of Milwaukee. 
I'm thinking I'm really teaching. I'm feeling good. A lady busts through the back door and said, hey, she just stopped my preaching. The usher said nothing. And she was obviously drunk. She seemed like she was homeless. And she said, hey, I want some TV dinners. And she was walking down the, the middle aisle, just messing with people, trying to get money for TV dinners. And then Pastor Kali, my ushers let her. I finally said, am I preaching that bad that you guys got to listen to this woman? Ushers do something. They were like, I ain't touching her. I'm like, so I got to preach and usher. What do I have to go do? Preach, usher, and teach Sunday school? But then I perceived that she was possessed. I said, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Because see, I recognize something as a pastor. The devil, Pastor Cody, I could take care of him in 20 seconds. But flesh is going to take 20 years. You got the disciplined flesh. The devil, we got him like this. Flesh got to be structured and disciplined. That's why you got to keep your heads in that book, the Bible. So I said, devil, shut up. I know we probably won't do that here, but that was fun, actually. She said, I want some TV. I said, now you get yourself up here and sit down in the front pew. I'll take care of you after service. I'm not wasting God's time on you. Sit down and shut up. Preach, prayed six, seven people through the Holy Ghost, and she sat right there. I said, now, devil, I'll take care of you. Rebuked the devil off of her, baptized her in Jesus' name. She came up speaking with tongues. I gave her $10 and said, now, get out of here. Don't be coming and working my church talking about some TV dinners. You got to be kind of radical on the north side. There's no, there's no books. Then you got to keep trusting and keep serving. I can go on and on about stories. <laughs> serving God is so much fun. But you had better believe you're going to go through trials. One of the greatest trials I went through was losing my wife, my high school sweetheart. Let's stand. I never thought that I would go before her, even in her weakened condition. I mean, she, she would go before me. Even in her weakened condition, I just prayed that you know, that I would go before her. And I remember God told me he was going to take her this time. Twice before she was, you know, on her way, on her deathbed. And I cried out to God and God brought her back. She was in a coma for six weeks, but I prayed. I said, God, please, I can't raise these kids on my own. I need my wife. We just started a church. I need, please. And, and God restored her. And this last time, I just assumed he will do it again. Just assume. I just thought he would because he always healed. But unbeknownst to me, he chose not to. And I remember when I went to the guest rooms and was at the hospital. And it's kind of funny because she had a lot of family that flew in from Puerto Rico and different places and uh, you know with my wife family you almost got to be Spanglish meaning you got to learn how to talk some English and some Spanish most words are Spanish every other word is English and so they're talking and my kids are begging me please just let mom go dad just let the doctors unplug I said I can't do it God needs to take her 
So I went to the room and I prayed and I said, God, please, I can't do this. You got to take her. I went back and I whispered in her ear and I said, honey, it's okay. The kids and I, we will, we'll be all right. I'll be all right. The kids, I have, don't worry about the kids. And she was in a coma. And then I told her in Spanish as best I could. I'm not fluent, but I can, I know enough to get in trouble, put it that way. And she came out of her coma and she looked at me and a tear came down and she smiled and she looked into heaven and she was gone. And God gave me a thought. It said, I have done all things well. I got home, that was like one in the morning or Saturday morning. I went home and God began to give me a message to preach Sunday morning. He said, you will preach and you're not going to stop preaching. And he took me to Mark 37. And there Jesus spit on the ground, put sockets in the guy's eye, touched his ears. And when a couple of men were recanting the story, I mean, they were rehearsing the story and telling it over. And they made this comment. They said, Jesus put socket in this guy's eyes and his fingers in this guy's ears. He has done all things well. It wasn't the way I wanted. It wasn't. But Jesus does all things well. You're not going through trials and tribulation for no reason at all. But if you hang on in there, God will use you. Now, I wish my wife was still here. <laughs> Being in the inner city, it's very popular to be the pastor's wife. So I've received 26 prophetic messages that God gave them that he didn't tell me. And I said, but God said, he that findeth the wife, but not her that findeth the husband. I said, sisters, thank you, but no thanks. I'm old, I'm gray, I'm bald head. I ain't got no money. I would not be a good candidate. And I know they're just looking for titles to be first lady. But if, if it was up to me, they wouldn't be first, second, third, or 10th. I told this young lady two weeks ago who just prophesied that God gave her a dream. She even emailed me the wedding dress. <laughs> I said, sister, let me tell you something. I am straight up old school. I believe dogs chase cats. And I am not chasing you up nobody's tree. Roof, roof. This is not from God. And it hasn't been easy. But I am fully persuaded that God does all things well. Even though I lost my health, I got to go see a specialist tomorrow. They got to laser these eyeballs because I can't see. Then they got to go in because they think I may have prostate cancer. Then they think my leukemia is back. And then they think this and they think that. I don't care what the doctors say. God does all things well. I'm not going to stop trusting him now. It's too late. I can't change churches now. I can't change anointing now. I can't change God now. God does all things well. And saints, whatever you're going through, just trust the fact that God have your number and he knows exactly where you are. God bless you, Pastor Kylie.
Praise God. Wow. I think I found a support counselor. If you don't start taking my advice, I'm calling Brother Newble. And if you don't take his advice, I'm leaving the room and he's gonna use the 10th gift. <laughs> Seriously, what a tremendous message. Tremendous message. Thank you, Brother Nubel. <laughs> Praise God. Let me share this with you before I invite you to the altar tonight. You can't have a testimony before you first have a test. You've heard that before. And so the testing that we're going through is a part of our testimony. I remember, Brother Nubel, when I went through cancer and all the trauma and the emotion and all that goes with that, and I went to God and I said, I'm thankful, God. Don't get me wrong. I am so thankful for your deliverance and your healing. But why? Why did I have to go through it at all? And this is what he said to me. I'll never forget it. He said, now you've got another field. You've got another field you can work in. When somebody says to you, I've been diagnosed with cancer, you got something to say. They'll listen to you. What you're going through right now and what you don't have the victory over yet is a part of your testimony and a part of your victory if, if you don't quit and you persevere and you continue to trust God. Amen. Amen. Trust God. Now I'm going to say this. God knows you better than you know you. God knows what you can handle and what you can't. God knows what you can be and what you're not. And so what he's allowing you to go through is to perfect you and to put you in a position of performance. You know, God... God knew about the dirty dozen before Lee Marvin ever chose 12. And that's why he chose you instead of the qualified. So don't, don't question God. He knows what he's doing. You just got to finish this. And so that's my encouragement to you about your trial. But there's one more thing I want to do tonight. And, and this is what the Lord spoke to me about, Brother Nubel. He told you about what he's going through right now. You know what? We need to give back to the man of God tonight. We need to have him come up here and we need to lay hands on him and pray that he'll be healed and shielded. Shielded from the attack of the enemy and, and all the discouragement that doctors can tell you about and all that. We're going to pray for his healing and his shielding. How's that? Would that be all right with you tonight? And then after you pray with him, 
then go find your place to pray and talk to God about what he talked to you about tonight. In Jesus' name. Brother Nubel, if you'll please come and stand right here. We're going to anoint you with oil and pray for you. God bless you. This altar's open for prayer. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.